Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football. We talk NFL and college football. Pintglassfootball.com is the website. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler. What's up, PGF Nation? Super Bowl Sunday. Man, the greatest day of the year. Chiefs, 49ers. We're going to get you guys ready for the big game. We're going to break this game down from every angle to see where each team has a possible advantage We're going to make our predictions, picks, betting picks, of course. But we're also going to have a special guest later on the show. Connor Allen, who's a sports betting manager and analyst, is going to come on and give us his predictions on the winner and his favorite player props. But first, joining me to break it down, my co-host, Alex Higdon. Alex, what is going on? Brad, you talked about it. Biggest day of the year in sports. This upcoming Sunday, they've already started the festivities, and we're starting the festivities here today. Let's put a cherry on top of this season here, Alex, with the Super Bowl and break down this game. Kansas City headed to its sixth Super Bowl, and it's going to be its fourth in the past five seasons. Pretty impressive stuff from this Mahomes and Andy Reid Chiefs team that we've seen in recent years. Now the 49ers are making their eighth appearance in the Super Bowl. And they have a chance to win their first since 1994. Patrick Mahomes is going to become the youngest quarterback to start his fourth Super Bowl. Andy Reid is now going to be in his fifth Super Bowl. Only Belichick and Shula have been to more Super Bowls. So a lot of history here, Alex, with this big matchup. Yeah, Brad. I mean, there's so many angles, so many directions you can come from with this. I mean, we've talked about these teams as they have both matriculated through the playoffs to get to this point. But there's a lot of things that we need to get into. And I'm glad we have the time and we set everything up so that we have the time and space to really dig into every angle that there is to talk about here. Absolutely, man. And everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. And and look, we're going to get to them in a minute here. I want to start with the running backs, though, Alex, because I think the running backs in this game could be absolutely key for both of these teams. Let's start with Christian McCaffrey. The last two seasons since joining the 49ers in that trade, he has really established himself as the most complete running back in the NFL. He puts so much pressure on defenses because of his ability to not only run between the tackles, but catching out of the backfield. And then on top of that, moving out, playing wide receiver, he's an elite route runner. For a guy that's actually a running back, this guy runs routes like an elite wide receiver. He's such a rare combination of a football player. We know that his dad was a great wide receiver in the NFL for a long time. Christian McCaffrey led the NFL in yards from scrimmage and rushing yards this season. He is the ultimate chess piece in this Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah, Brad. I mean, what we have seen from Christian McCaffrey, let's just say since he's arrived in San Francisco as a whole, right? Not just, you know, what he did this season, but since he's arrived there as a whole, he has taken, he has allowed Kyle Shanahan to maximize this, uh, this offense to its full, complete potential. Now, Upon doing that, we've now watched them get to the pinnacle game 
I think this could be a possible, and when I say this, I want to be very clear. This could be a possible coming out party for Christian McCaffrey. He's been a good running back, a little bit hidden in Carolina because of what was going on in the transition that they were going through, plus some injuries. You got a glimpse of him last year through, I think, maybe what, the final eight games, eight or nine games that he was there in San Francisco. But this season, I think you saw, depending on how old you are, you saw a little bit of what a lot of us saw with a running back that I love in LaDainian Tomlinson. The receiving aspect, the rushing aspect, and just the threat that he is whenever he touches the field. You have to pay attention to wherever he is on the field. When he, when you line up, if he's your assignment or if you're the guy with the green dot, you have to say, where where's McCaffrey? Where you have to point him out. You have to know where he is. You have to know what's going on because he's a key to a lot of things that unlock in terms of what that entire San Francisco offense can do. Yeah, absolutely. And their ability to move him around pre-snap I think is a huge part of it because he can create mismatches. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, that is, can create mismatches with McCaffrey based on the defensive alignments that other teams are in. They can start him out in the backfield, move him out wide, move him in motion, and they can really see, okay, are they in zone? Are they in man? Who's picking him up? And all of a sudden now you find mismatches because we know how dynamic of a player he is once he gets the ball in his hands. I think he is a huge, huge part of the story of this Super Bowl. I can't imagine a scenario where the 49ers win this game and he doesn't have a monster day. They have a lot of weapons. We're just having to be talking about McCaffrey at this point as being probably the most dangerous weapon when he's on when he's on the field and there and they are at full tilt. I'm looking at him. I have my reservations, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, Brad, you're absolutely right. I mean, this guy can be the key to them and to Shanahan finally getting over the hump, beating Kansas City, repaying them for the loss that they took a few years back. Kyle Shanahan finally getting that 800-pound gorilla off his back as well. And as I said before, the Christian McCaffrey coming out party into, you know, a different superstar stratosphere that he looks like he's a set he was already ascending to, but this being the top and pinnacle game of this sport, him performing at a high level could really change the trajectory of what a lot of people will look at Christian McCaffrey and where he lands in history. I'm glad you said that because his resume is already pretty impressive. And I think he's going to add an offensive player of the year award this season to that resume. But if he adds a ring and maybe let's say a Super Bowl MVP, possibly if he really is a difference maker in this game, you're absolutely right. We could be talking about him in a whole different conversation as far as historical running backs. I think he starts to enter that conversation with some of the all-time greats in this sport. But let's start with the team that he's going up against here because the Kansas City defense is the strength of this team. And it's kind of weird to think about because just a few years ago, we saw this team and it was a flashy, fast track team offense, right? You had all that speed at receiver with Tyreek Hill and Hardman and all these guys. They were so hard to cover. They were putting up monster points and really... The early part of this dynasty, if you will, was about the offense. It was about video game numbers and trying to stop Mahomes and all these playmakers and Kelsey and the running backs and everything that they had going. 
that's not this team anymore. That's really not this version of this KC team because the strength of this team really all season has been the defense. They're second in yards per game allowed and points per game allowed. They've held teams under 21 points in seven of their last eight games. Now, if there's a hole in the defense, it's the rush defense. And and that's where they can be exposed here. 28th in the NFL in rush defense. They give up four and a half yards per carry to running backs. And this 49ers team is top eight in rushing attempts. We just talked about McCaffrey and the difference maker that he is. It's the straw that stirs the drink for this offense. The 49ers are 12 and one when McCaffrey rushes for over 75 yards. So this matchup, McCaffrey versus this rush defense is absolutely pivotal. Yeah, Brad. And what Spags has been able to do and the things that he's been able to unlock and get this defense to be focused on, to be disciplined on, has been incredible. I mean, the defenses he designed against the Patriots to stop Tom Brady twice. And then we have to talk about since he's been in Kansas City, what he's been able to do with a bend-on-break defense and now having an elite defense, what he's been able to do. This is another game where I'm looking at Spags. It's going to be Spags and seeing how they handle. Because one thing that we will say, the 49ers will not make the mistakes that the Ravens did in terms of only running the ball six times with the running backs. They're not going to make that mistake. Now, they do have a tendency to take their foot off the gas and remaining consistent with the running game. If we talk about some of the game, one or two of the games that I saw in the playoffs where they only ran the ball 17 times with him. However, they're going to be, they are definitely, he's definitely going to touch the ball, I will say 20 plus times between running and catch and receiving the ball. So he is going to be somebody that I believe Spags is going to dial something up for. I do not know what it is. I don't even want to speculate because when I watch Christian McCaffrey on tape, I don't, I can't even say like, oh, I would just do this or I would just do that. There's not just one thing. This is going to be a, have to take a complete team effort in order to key on. And it's really not about stopping him. This is really more about slowing him down. And then, oh, by the way, once you start to do that, you have to worry about everything else. So this is going to be the chess matches of all chess matches because there are a lot of pieces on the board. And, you know, even though McCaffrey is a key piece, there's a lot of key pieces on this chess board when it goes to talking about how to figure out to slow down the San Francisco 49ers. You hit it on the head. I don't think it's a matter of stopping McCaffrey. I think that's highly unlikely. I think limiting the damage from McCaffrey because we know once he gets going, it really unlocks this offense, and all of a sudden, it's a snowball rolling downhill. Let's talk about the other key running back. Let's shift to the other side here because, like I said, I think these running backs are really pivotal in this matchup. Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City, 65 or more rushing yards in the last four games. He's become the focal point to this offense, and the 49ers, they've struggled at times versus the run. You've talked about it there, Alex. Recently, especially in the playoffs, the Lions ran for 6.3 yards per carry and three rushing touchdowns. I think the one key difference when you look at Aaron Jones with the Packers and Jameer Gibbs, 
who did most of their work getting to the edges. We talked about the pin and pull and some of the, the run blocking schematics that we saw from those teams. Pacheco is more of a true downhill north-south runner. Now, granted, Montgomery did have some success, and he's a very similar style of runner, so I'm not trying to make it seem like only those outside type of runners have had success, but it is a little bit different here of a running scheme that you see from the the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I think the bottom line here, though, no matter how you slice it, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to slow down the running game of this Chiefs team. So, Mr. Pacheco, Mr. Rutgers, <laughs> Mr. South Jersey, if some of you know from, from his high school days, I am definitely looking at him, paying attention to what he's doing, has been doing throughout this playoff run, being healthy, number one. We know in that game, even though he looked healthy in that in last year's Super Bowl, he came out, I believe, with a torn labrum, if I'm not mistaken. He was playing that game with a torn labrum, but he's going into this game fully healthy as you said and even though you talked about the lines they also they also were giving up 4.9 basically five yards per carry against green bay as well which to your point you pointed out that specific uh pin and pull that they have not been able to, to stop which was then used again with detroit with their with their running backs one thing you can do, Andy Reid will study that tape, and he will send out his uh, his coordinators and and scouts to really and interns to really dig into tape to see, you know, though that three game losing streak to see what they did, what those teams did, the same exact thing that he did when he spoke to Doug Peterson last year when he asked about the Eagles and he's and he was told and Eric Bieniemy went there and was told most they can't when they when you go in motion. They have trouble following each player off of the line, which they use, I, would say, I want to say, three times on three different scores. You best believe that Andy Reid and, that, and Matt Nagy and that entire offensive coaching staff is digging through tape to find all the key plays that they can use to get Pacheco loose. And I believe he's deaf now. He is not the running back that Christian McCaffrey is. So 90, 95, 98, 99% of his touches are going to come via handoffs. They have other running backs that can do a lot of the receiving things. But one of the things, Brad, that I think is going to be a hidden gem, and we'll get into prop bets a little bit later, watch out for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Throughout this season, he's been really consistent running the ball when he's had those small opportunities. So I think we're going to be able to see, we, we may see a little different Kansas City Chief team. But yeah, I think Pacheco in the run game in general, and, and for that matter, Edwards Lair may be getting some carries in this game as well, I'm sure, to spell Pacheco. But I, I don't see any scenario, similar to what I just said with McCaffrey, I don't see any scenario where the Chiefs win this game and Pacheco does not have a big day. I think he is so pivotal to what they do in this current iteration of this team that he has to have success, and I think he can. I I do think he can, because I think if there's a soft spot on this 49ers defense, it's against the run. They were middle of the road statistically against the run, but we've seen a little bit of a regression in the playoffs, so they're going to have to fine-tune that. Now, I will say I want to give Steve Wilkes some credit because we saw some big-time adjustments in the second halves of games in the playoffs where they tightened things up. But with that being said, I don't think you can fall behind against this Chiefs team because this defense is just way too good. 
Yeah, Brad, we talked about it a week ago, how we felt, well, excuse me, how I felt. Actually, I'm sorry, how we both felt and what we were seeing that first half against Detroit. He did stop the bleeding, per se. However, you know, now you are going against another mastermind. I know you get to go against one in practice, but this is a diff- This is a diff- completely different animal that you're going to be facing across the field come Sunday. It's going to be very interesting what that 49ers defense begins to look like as that game starts to get, as we start to get into deeper into that game, because I don't think it's going to be any type of blood on each side. At least I'm hoping not, but it doesn't look like it will be, but it's going to be very interesting to see how these two teams offensively and defensively on both ends, on both ends, because I think that's key. The chess match that each play, that each respective side of the coaching staff plays. Yeah, absolutely, man. And Looking at, so beyond Pacheco, looking at the Kansas City offense, beyond him, it really comes down to two guys in this passing game. Rasheed Rice, the rookie who's been a standout and really has come on strong, especially the second half of the year. And of course, Travis Kelsey. And I started thinking about this, Alex, because if those are really the guys you have to focus on, and I don't don't think there's much debate here because once you get past that, there's a pretty steep drop off as far as targets and and guys that that really are difference makers in this offense from a, from a passing standpoint. If I'm the 49ers, I would line up in a split safety pre-snap look and I would play bracket coverage on both of those players and then play cover 0 on the back end. I would absolutely force the Kansas City Chiefs to beat me with someone else. Force Mahomes to go to someone else. Yes, I get it. MVS is a deep threat, and that could that could come back to bite you if you're going to play cover zero and you're going to bracket those guys. But I'll take my chances because he's been so inconsistent this year. All he can do is really just run go routes. And maybe Mahomes hits one or two of those. If I'm the 49ers, I'm going to force them to beat me that way before I change that look. Because Mahomes' quarterback rating on deep passes this year was actually one of the worst in the NFL. And I think it really reflects the lack of weapons for this offense. Yeah, Brad. So, you know, I'll give away one of my hot takes that I was going to have because it actually is MVS. And and I'm looking at him and and, and I'll, I'll give the prop bet later, but I'm definitely looking at him being a key piece. And I believe he's actually going to score for the exact reason that you said is that he is going to have to make a play as well as Sky Moore, who is coming back for this game. Scott, well, between, I don't want to just say Sky Moore, I'll say between Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, I believe one of them is going to be a key player in this game, not have 100 yards or be possible MVP, but we're talking about key plays, key third down conversions. Uh, a key punt return like Kadarius Tony had last year, a key deep ball in a key spot to put them in position. One or one of those players, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, because I'm definitely banking on MVS making an impact. But Kadarius between Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, one of those guys are going to make a specific play. Now, to the point that you also brought up, I'm and to counter what you just said, if I am. Again, Andy Reid and Matt Nagy on that side, 
I have no choice but to trust my receivers and put it out there and allow them to make a play. If they drop it, they drop it or whatever, as long as it doesn't get intercepted. But because if you're going to bracket, that means I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to take some shots deep with two burners in Scantling and Hardman, even though Hardman has been, has been less desirable throughout his entire career in Kansas city and his second now return to Kansas city. I'm going to have to take a chance on this, on these two guys going deep in order to get the, in order to get them. If that's what I'm presented with in terms of the bracket coverage, I'm going to have, these guys are going to have to show up and make a play to force them out of that coverage. So then we can get back to some of the other things that we're accustomed to doing on offense. Once again, I think if I'm looking at this team and and where the real weapons lie, we know it's those two guys. If if I'm the 49ers and I'm Steve Wilkes, I've got to be looking at this offense saying, look, I don't care what we have to do. I'm not letting those guys beat me. It, it's almost like to, to make a basketball reference, you see a lot of times in like the NBA when you're going up against a star player and a coach makes a decision, look, we're going to double this guy every time he touches the ball. And we're going to make one of these other role players beat us. And if they go off and they hit a bunch of open jumpers, so be it. And I think you have to have that mindset. It's like, look, if we're going to lose because MVS and McCall Hartman, then so be it. We're not going to let them beat us with their key players. That would be the mindset I think I would have to have going into this game. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the chess match that is about to happen is going to be one for the ages that we're about to see again for both staffs against each the offensive and defense on both sides on what they do and how they handle and what they decide to key on. Obviously the um, it's a little bit more compact for the Kansas city being that they do have Travis Kelsey and then an emerging Rishi Rice. But then the other side, when we start, as we begin to talk about the 49ers and all of those pieces that they have and what they need to do in order to keep them in check. Now we talked about the playmakers here and and we'll dive back into those guys a little bit, but I want to jump to the big boys because we know games, especially big games, they're one in the trenches. I think a focal point or a key matchup, so to speak, in this game is going to be the two offensive tackles for the Chiefs because they've been bad this year, and and I don't think there's really any way around it. That was a hole this offseason. They tried to fill it with some free agents, and it really hasn't worked out. Jawan Taylor has been a straight-up liability for this team, led the league in flags. This is a matchup to circle because he's going to be going up against Nick Bosa, a former defensive player of the year, had 10 and a half sacks this year, but also was second in the NFL in quarterback hits. So when he's not getting home, he is still getting pressure consistently on quarterbacks. This is a big mismatch in this game. So the question I think, what do the Chiefs do to offset this? What do they do to try to avoid Bosa becoming a game wrecker in this game? I think we're going to see screens. I think we're going to see a lot of quick passes and, of course, a lot of running game from the Kansas City Chiefs like we talked about. But this offense has been doing a lot of that already. That's kind of what this team has been all year. So I don't think that's totally unusual to see that. I think Kelsey has been really the safety valve underneath for Patrick Mahomes. So once again, I think the 49ers, to go back to my point earlier, I think they have to force Mahomes to go somewhere else because this was a guy that, you know, just a few weeks back, 
was starting to look washed up. I was starting to wonder how much football does this guy really have left at the midseason point. He he looked slow. He was dropping balls. He hadn't had a touchdown in weeks. And then all of a sudden the playoffs start, and it's like he comes back from the dead. I think he's a guy that they're going to have to focus on. And the 49ers were the fourth best team this year statistically against defending tight ends. And a lot of it has to do with those linebackers. And we know they've got some of the best linebackers in the game. How they decide to use those guys, whether they use a safety, like we talked about, are they going to bracket Kelsey? What type of coverages, some zone concepts, what are we going to see to try to slow down Kelsey in this attack here? Because I think it's going to be key because like I talked about, they're going to want to get the ball out quick and to try to avoid some of this 49er pass rush. So I think we're going to see a lot of underneath stuff and a lot of stuff over the middle. And I think that's where Kelsey obviously does most of his damage. What I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see Kansas City. At least this is what I would do. I think the first thing I'm going to do is spread everybody out and I'm just going to hit you with quick passes, you know, four or five yards at a dart until I see an opening when I can maybe take some other shots until I see you start to adjust. But if I can, you know, similar to what, what do we always say and what do we always talk about with the Patriots death by a thousand cuts? They weren't necessarily going deep at times. They would just kill you with James White, kill you with Edelman. Okay, if that's what I have to do, Patrick Mahomes has entered has entered the air where I'm the smartest person on the field. I'm not going to put ourselves in any type of danger. He's not going to make the mistakes. I, I just think that the way that I'm attacking this defense, which we know is not good on the back end, even though they may have a Shadarvius Ward and we know they picked up the veteran Logan Ryan, I'm spreading you out. I'm keeping Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I'm keeping them in coverage. I am getting the ball out of my hands within two in two seconds. And it's just quick shots, quick shots, three, four, five, six, seven yards at a time. I'm just going to simply take what the defense gives me. I'm not going to allow you to come up the field. And we decide to come up the field. I'm going to audible the draw plays to get to gash you up the middle, along with the rest of the repertoire of the running game that they will have. I'm just going to be able, I just know in watching what we saw and how they attacked, never mind the Ravens offense, how they attacked that Ravens defense in terms of spring them out and really just going quick, 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 quick passes down the field on that first drive. I think we're going to see something similar since they have a similar front seven in San Francisco. Underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. I personally love the Pick'em game. Just pick between two and five players to build a Pick'em entry. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Download the Underdog Fantasy app and sign up today with promo code PGF. That's promo code PGF. PGF to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. The official ticketing app of Pint Glass Football is now SeatGeek. I can't recommend them enough, guys. I've been using SeatGeek for years. You want to go to a game this season? SeatGeek is here to take the confusion out of buying tickets, making sure you get the best seats at the best prices. With SeatGeek, you'll never have to worry about overpaying for tickets again. How? They put a 0 to 10 score on each ticket, so you know you're getting a good deal. But here's the real game changer. 
you can get $20 off your first ticket purchase with the code PGFPOD. That's right, $20 off with code PGFPOD. This season, make every game day epic with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and remember to enter the code PGFPOD to grab your $20 discount. You know what's important when you're having a good time? Staying hydrated. And that's where Liquid IV comes in. The category winning hydration brand that's fueling your well-being. With just one stick of Liquid IV, you get two times faster hydration than water alone. Plus, five essential vitamins to keep you feeling your best. And let's not forget about the convenience factor. The packaging is perfect for on the go, whether you're tailgating or just hanging out on the couch. But what really sets Liquid IV apart is the amazing flavors. Personally, I'm all about the Concord Grape and Lemon Lime. And with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, Liquid IV is made with premium ingredients to give you the hydration and nourishment you need. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PGFP at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code PGFP at liquidiv.com. Zencaster is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Coordinating all your guests to record in person is painful and tedious. Easily invite up to 11 participants per recording with one click. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code PGFP and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. 49ers are top 10 in sacks this season, and the Kansas City offensive line gave up more sacks this year than any team in the NFL but one. So if you looked at it from a a numbers perspective, you'd be thinking, man, this is a big mismatch. And maybe it is, but I think the Kansas City Chiefs are smart enough to know that the only way that they're going to be able to get home is if you let them by doing too many five- and seven-step drops. That's not what they're going to be doing here. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a lot of run game because nothing diffuses pass rushers like a running game. And it really can negate a lot of that. So I think, once again, going back to what we talked about with Pacheco, some of the screen plays, trying to take advantage of some of these overly aggressive pass rushers from the 49ers, and a lot of checkdowns and underneath stuff to guys like Kelsey. Those are going to be huge plays in this game. But here's the other factor. Mahomes led the NFL in quarterback scrambles this year for first downs. So I think getting pressure on him and keeping him in the pocket, I think is a lot easier said than done. The 49ers defense was fifth in takeaways this year. Kansas City's offense had a shocking 23 turnovers and led the league in drops. Nothing on paper tells you that this is a good matchup for Kansas City. But 
once again, when you look at this team, the second half of the year, and especially in the playoffs, the Chiefs have taken care of the ball in the playoffs, and the drops haven't been an issue either. Alex, let's talk about the quarterbacks here. Brock Purdy this season had the highest quarterback rating versus the Blitz in the entire NFL this season. When I saw that stat, I was a little bit shocked by that. I knew he was good against pressure. I didn't know he was that good. And it really comes down to the fact that he processes so quickly. He gets the ball out quick. He makes good decisions on where to go with the football. Kansas City's defense was the fifth highest blitz rate in the NFL this season. So I think this is an interesting dynamic here. How often is Spagnola going to blitz? How often is he going to bring pressure here? How often is he going to drop into coverage? This is going to be a really fascinating part of this chess game to watch here. On the side of Brock Purdy, we, we've finally watched them overcome a lot of things that they had an issue doing, which was finally getting over the hump of, you know, being at, at a deficit in the fourth quarter in the second half and then finally being able to come back. They did it twice. So that has to feel good going into this game. However, I think there's a lot of things that Spagnuolo is going to be able to do to really disrupt what Brock Purdy does and what Kyle Shanahan does well. One key thing I think is going to be is not I actually don't think it's going to be on the defensive side for excuse me, the defensive specialist in Chris Jones. I actually think it's going to be guys like Carl Loftus. Now, depending on what side he is, because I'm going to show all the respect in the world to Trent Williams, but depending on what side he's on, which I'm hopefully, hopefully they are mixing it up a little bit. I think he's going to be able to take advantage what a lot of teams have not been able to do, which is take advantage of the right side of that line, which is the weaker side of that line for the, uh, for the 49ers. It's been holding up very well. And you spoke about that Kansas City offensive line in between Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor, how weak they've looked because their strength is in the interior, though they'll be missing Joe Tooney. But I think there's some things that they're going to be able to do. I don't expect them to blitz a lot unless, you know, at very key moments because there's too many weapons to try and play that game to blitz that they can beat you with. So I, I don't know if that's a game that I would play you know i would well rather if i do play it i'm going to play it very sparingly i'm not i'm going to really choose to pick my spots and i'm probably do a lot more run blitzing than i would do on passing downs simply because i just don't to the point that you also said that he's been the best against the blitz but to the other point is there's just too many weapons out there and though i trust sneed as well as mcbride i'm just not going to take my chances i'm going to want to make sure that i don't give up anything deep but purdy can be put in situations to make mistakes. I referenced it earlier in terms of looking at those other three games. Now, I get it. There were some injuries that happened there. There were a lot of other things that happened, especially in the Ravens game, where it there was really only one quote-unquote interception thrown. The others were kind of just, you know, dropped passes or passes that got batted up into the air, so we really won't put that on him. But I think there's going to be a lot of positions that they can put Purdy in because there is going to be a key turnover in the game that that's good that could cost the team the game but i think and i think it may happen on the 49ers side i don't know but that's just where i'm swaying right now but i think purdy you know for all the things that have been talked about brock purdy i think he's really proven that he belongs in this league not only that excuse me not only that he belongs in this league that he belongs as the leader of this team that he can 
gear this team and steer this team and drive them in the right direction of winning football and now in a Super Bowl where he can also catapult himself into a different stratosphere as well as a different tax bracket as we know he was the last pick in the draft i believe he's only making uh if i'm not mistaken eight hundred thousand dollars this year so he can really put himself from a marketing standpoint and from an upcoming contract standpoint he can put himself in a different tax bracket and we're talking about you know legacy money that he can set himself up with as a quarterback if he can go in and really show show off and show out and win this Super Bowl. But I'm 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 confident that he's going to know what he needs to do, but you know, as we get more to the defensive things that can be done, I think there's some holes that can be poked in his game. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I I think for a young guy cuz that's what we have to remember. He's had so much success so quickly that I think sometimes we just forget how young this guy is. He's only what 26 starts into his career, so he's going to make rookie mistakes. I know he's not a rookie anymore, but you get where I'm going. He's going to make those mistakes from time to time. He's not a perfect player by any by any means. There's coverages and things that this guy just hasn't seen yet that you only see with experience. I think there's still a lot of improvement left for his game, but I think you're right. I think he's shown enough at this point to know he is a guy that you can build around. I'm not ready to say that he's an elite quarterback or this or that. I, I think that's going too far. I think he's a really, really good young quarterback. And if you're the 49ers, I think you've got to be really excited to have this guy under center because he's shown me that he can play at a high level. And he is a guy that I think you can build around. Now, they have a great team. We've talked about it. They have a great roster. He's got a great coach. And he's in a great situation. But we forget, you know, Patrick Mahomes was in a great situation when he came out of Texas Tech and ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Most quarterbacks who have success in this league, especially high-level success and playoff success, they're in good situations usually. They go to teams that end up having good coaches and good weapons around them and build good teams around them, good defenses and so forth. So I think sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for how good he's actually been this year. And then on the other side, I think sometimes people overhype him at times too. I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he's just a really, really solid young quarterback. And I don't think we've seen his best football yet, but it's an exciting time for this young guy, like you said, to really silence some of those doubters because he does have a lot of them. And I think it's something we talked about several episodes back where I think a lot of it comes down to people not being able to shake the fact that he was a seventh round pick, the fact that he was the last pick in the draft. I think if this guy would have been taken in the first round, we would be looking at him completely different. I don't mean we like me and you. I just mean like the sports public, so to speak. I think we'd be looking at this guy so much differently if we had higher expectations for him when he came out of the draft. And because of that, I think a lot of people just have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that this is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. But with that being said, this is a big time test. There's no doubt about it. And especially throwing the ball in this game, because this secondary is elite. So if he can have success in this game and he can play a big game and and be a pivotal part to them possibly winning this game, man, it would be so impressive because we talked about the rush defense. I think that's the weakness here. But the passing defense is absolutely incredible. I mean, those corners and safeties for this team are lights out. And how often they want to put pressure on this guy because he's been really good against pressure. And I'm with you, Alex. 
I think Spagnola is going to see that when he watches the tape on Purdy. And I think he's going to pick his spots, like you said, when it comes to bringing pressure. Because on paper, the 49ers offensive line isn't great as, as far as pass protection outside of Tripp Williams, like you mentioned. But most teams still have struggled to get pressure on Purdy. And I think his ability to move in the pocket, buy time, and escape the rush, I think maybe is the most overlooked part of his game. And usually when he escapes pressure, he ends up hitting big plays downfield. I think that KC secondary, I think they have the players to slow down the 49ers wide receivers. And I think the 49ers, I think this is where they're going to have to find success in the passing game. It's going to have to be with Kittle, I think Debo, and McCaffrey, like we talked about. I think they're going to find more success throwing the ball to those guys and a lot of underneath and intermediate stuff to try to get away from these elite corners. I think the key, a real key to this defense is Ladarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie and them being able to be on an island and obviously some at some points in time having, you know, help over the top because being able to cover one-on-one. Now, they faced a different challenge the previous week in the championship game with, you know, OBJ, Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman. But now when you face someone, I know Debo, I'll put this Debo to the side for a moment, but now when you face someone like Brandon Ayuk, this is a man out here. This is a grown man out here, and he don't play. He does not play in the running game. He's going to try and pancake you, and he does not play in that passing game. He's out there to make plays. So I think, and I'm not sure who's going to draw that that challenge. My guess it would be that it would be Sneed, but he they, they're going to be in for a long day. That is going to be one of my key matchups to watch and see how they cover him, if the, how much of an island they leave Sneed on with him, and then what is it that Brandon Ayuk is able to do against whatever type of coverages are thrown at him. That's the first thing. Now, on the Debo side, we know that he's a Swiss Army knife and that they use him a lot around in terms of what is going on in terms of in the running game, in terms of in the short pass, because one thing that we've always talked about, Debo, once he gets the ball, he turns into a running back. And his game is really based a lot on yards after the catch because he can catch it five but take it 90 within within a blink of an eye, not just simply because of his speed, simply because of his determination because he's a straight line rush. He's not going to you know, shake you out your boots, but he's going to put foot in ground and turn up field and turn up field fast. So there's going to be a lot of things to look out for that. And then also, like I said, previously mentioned, Brendan Ayuk's ability to block downfield as well. But again, we still yet to talk about Kittle. Is that going to be Nick Bolton? Is that going to be Justin Reed? Is, who is that going to be Willie Gay? Who is going to be covering Kittle? Because that is the person in the passing game that I think can do the most damage to this team through the air is going to be George Kittle because I think they they, they may they, I know they will have the wide receivers covered in terms of them in the passing game because you also have to worry we talked about Christian McCaffrey earlier but once George Kittle is out there who's covering him he's going I believe he's going to draw the weakest coverage person on the Kansas City side and he's going to be the guy that's going to do the most damage to the team through the air yeah that's absolutely a great point and I think he's the guy to circle to Alex because you're right. You're going to put some of your best coverage guys on McCaffrey and Debo when they're in the backfield, especially. That's going to create some mismatch opportunities for Kittle because he's been a little bit quiet 
in the playoffs. He's had some big plays, but he hasn't really had a big game yet. This could be a game where maybe he gets some big-time opportunities. I like that take, Alex. I think one underrated aspect of this game to watch, Alex, is going to be the kicking game. And we talk about all the playmakers, the wide receivers. We talk about the running backs, the offensive line, the quarterbacks, all that stuff. We talk about the coaching. It's all super important. We know that. But this is a game where I think the kickers can play a huge role in this game because we do have two really good teams, two teams that match up pretty well. We could see a really close game here. When you look at the rookie kicker for the 49ers, Jake Moody, he's been shaky. And he's missed two kicks in the playoffs already, one field goal and one extra point. On the other side, Kansas City's kicker, Harrison Buckner, is 7-for-7 in the playoffs. He has been steady all playoffs long. If this game is close, like a lot of people predict that it will be, and Vegas clearly is looking at this game as being a close game, I think the kicking game is something that maybe people aren't paying enough attention to because it could be huge in this game. Absolutely. And when we get to our picks and our score, I think you'll see why I feel the exact same way you do. Now, we've mentioned the coaches. We've mentioned them briefly here, but I want to I want to talk about these coaches a little more here, Alex. Historically, rematches in the Super Bowl with the same coaches, the winning coach is undefeated. So this is an interesting storyline here. People are thinking about Shanahan possibly getting some revenge here, so to speak. Historically, that's not been the case. And I think the pressure here is clearly on Shanahan. And look, he's entering a space now where people are starting to say he's a really good coach. He's a great play caller. He's a great offensive mind, but he can't get it done in the big games. And I think it's funny, Alex, because people forget that's exactly what people said about Andy Reid for years when he was in Philly and really before he got Mahomes in Kansas City, Andy Reid didn't win a ring until he was 62 years old. We we kind of forget about all that because of all the recent success that he's had. Shanahan is still only 44 years old. So he's a relatively young coach in this league who's just already had a lot of success, even though he hasn't gotten over the hump. But with all that being said, I understand the narrative. And this is a huge, huge opportunity for him and for Andy Reid for that matter too. Because I think with a win here, I think Andy Reid starts to climb that list of all-time great coaches. And then we start to debate where exactly does he rank if he gets this win on Sunday. And for Shanahan, it's kind of a get-the-monkey-off-the-back type of win. And it kind of solidifies him as the great coach that I think we all view him as. You know, one of the things, and, and I'll say it here, I know it's a more of a talk, topic for the offseason, but I think if Andy Reid wins this, I could actually see him stepping down as head coach of the Chiefs. That You know, I think he's kind of really solidified. I think he's already solidified it, but I think he's really put a true stamp on his impact on the game and his impact as a head coach and where he stands in the pantheon of head coaches as if he were to ride off in the sunset. So that's one thing. I, I believe that Andy Reid is not just one of the best coaches in the league. I believe he is the best coach in the league. You know, this is, you know, essentially coming off of a bye. And we know what Andy Reid is coming off of a bye. This is a lot of student teacher vibes in a sense. We know that Kyle Shanahan 
son of Mike Shanahan, who comes from the Bill Walsh tree. We know that Andy Reid, coming from Mike Holgram, who also comes from the Bill Walsh tree, they've been taught a very similar style of football. Play calling at times obviously will be different, but in terms of the one-on-one basics of what their true identity is, it is that West Coast offense. It is a lot of quick passes. It is prolific offenses, which we have seen all of them do from their times as coordinators and now as their time as the time as head coaches, as well as developing quarterbacks. I mean, we can talk about Andy Reid and does anybody remember him getting Kevin Cobb out of nowhere? I believe at the time, the biggest contract, the biggest quarterback contract ever. And we saw what Kyle Shanahan has done with people like Matt Schwab and then what he did when he got to Atlanta with Matt Ryan. So there's there's not too much to be desired with the exception of the experience on Andy Reid's side in this game in, in these type of games and just his experience overall in these type of situations. It's really the pressure and everything from my standpoint is truly all on San Francisco side. This is where San Francisco was expected to be. This is where they are. So the pressure is on them to finally get this monkey off their back. And for Kyle Shanahan, they're still talking about him in Atlanta and blaming him for what happened in Atlanta. So this means this has a lot of pressure and he has a lot riding on this game, whether he wants to admit it or not. But we know from a fan standpoint, we know from a media standpoint, should he lose this game? We know the videotape that's about to roll on Kyle Shanahan's career. Yeah, fair or unfair, I think that's the truth, Alex. I think the the critics are going to continue to point at it. They're going to continue to say that he can't win the big game. And and look, like I said, he's still a young coach, and, and I think it's unfair to say that he can't win it. But this game is absolutely a huge, huge opportunity for his legacy. I don't think there is any doubt about that. And you talked about the time when he was an offensive coordinator for Atlanta. We also have to remember the first time these two teams met in the Super Bowl, they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter and let that one get away too. Now, only nine starters from that team are on this current team for the 49ers. So clearly there's some guys that are going to remember that. But it's these are two different teams, as we know. These are two very different rosters. Some of the key players are still here, but this is a much, much different matchup. The 49ers, when you look at this roster, had a league-high nine players selected to the Pro Bowl, 12 more players chosen as alternates, and seven players who were either first or second team All-Pro. This team is loaded. I mean, they are really, there's no way around it. They're good at so many positions. And when they're playing their best ball, they are scary. Winning 12 regular season games this season by an average of 19 points. So when they're rolling, they don't just win. They blow teams out. They have been one of the best teams all year long. It's no surprise that they're here, but I'm with you. I think it is surprising to see Kansas City here because they hadn't been that impressive most of the year, and they've really just started kind of turning it on here late in the year and in the playoffs. Going up against this loaded roster, it it makes you think, okay, I kind of get here why Vegas has them as the favorite because, once again, this is probably a better team top to bottom than Kansas City. But this 49ers team has never beat Kansas City in a game where Mahomes was at quarterback. 
And for the first time in the Mahomes era, I don't think this game is really about him. Yes, I think he'll have to play well if they're going to win, but he doesn't have to carry this team. He doesn't have to be a superhero in this game. I think the run game and the defense are the real leaders of this version of the Chiefs. Alex, we have broken down this game from just about every angle. So the 49ers win this game if. 49ers win this game if George Kittle has over has eight catches over 100 yards and two touchdowns. The Chiefs win this game if. The Chiefs win this game if, in this context here, if the running backs have 150 yards total, all of them collectively, uh, whether it be through the air or on the ground, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Excited to be joined by Connor Allen, who's a sports betting manager at 444 and BetSperts. He's also a host on the Move the Line sports betting podcast. Connor, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I mean, no better time to talk ball than the Super Bowl. Sportsbooks are posting so many unique props that you can't bet normally on a week-to-week basis. So it's super fun to dive into the game initially, bet the side, bet the total, but then dive into all these little niche props as well and you know, hopefully make some money there too. Absolutely, Connor. Absolutely. The biggest sports betting day of the year. This is the one time of the year where regular people or average fans or people that just casually watch the sport. This is when a lot of times they'll even jump into the game and throw some money around on the game and some of these props because it's just fun, right? We're all going to be watching the game. So why not put some money on it and make it even more interesting? Now, Connor, you recently wrote a great article at 444.com a Super Bowl in-depth breakdown. Guys, I encourage you guys to go give it a read. Really, really good stuff. So without giving away too much of it, when you broke down this matchup, what are some of the key matchups, some of the key takeaways that you think could really decide this game? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's it's a labor of love uh, and something that I've done every year for now 10 years, which is pretty crazy. So it's been it's been a lot of fun to learn and adapt my own analysis how that's changing but diving the game specifically i think that there's a couple of different angles that i think are really really impactful here so the first one is going to be the 49ers running game against this kansas city chiefs run defense here because this 49ers running game has been elite like tops and basically every metric that you want to look at and they also use zone blocking schemes on a large majority of their rush attempts we're talking like 75 80 percent depending on the data source the chiefs run defense against runs with zone blocking this year allowing 4.6 yards per carry which is 29th 51 percent success rate which is also 29th and they're second in stuff rate so the amount of runs that they're stuffing at or behind the line of scrimmage so all pretty bad numbers uh and so that's not a good sign for the chiefs run defense on top of that we have them really struggling against 21 and 22 personnel which is essentially when the kyle use check is in and we know that the 49ers love to run zone runs with kyle use check so it's one of those things that if the 49ers are successful on the ground i think that opens up a lot in their passing game because Face value here, this Chiefs pass defense is fantastic. I mean, top three in basically every metric you want to look at. And the 49ers really struggled against two top five pass defenses they played this season in Cleveland and Baltimore. Now, Cleveland, Trent Williams was injured a little bit. CMC was injured. Debo Samuel was injured. So I think that game deserves a little bit of an asterisk. But also against Baltimore in week 16, Brock Purdy completed only 56% of his passes and threw four interceptions in the 49ers loss. So on that side of the ball, I think that those are 
probably the biggest issues there. And, you know, the Chiefs side, it's pretty interesting because the Chiefs should be able to run the ball against the Niners run defense that we saw struggled against the Lions, struggled against uh, the Packers as well in two straight weeks. And the 49 or in the Chiefs run the ball in a similar sense. They can use outside runs, which have really the 49ers have struggled to defend. And then, but on the flip side though, Patrick Mahomes has thrown 10 or 14 interceptions this year. 10 of those interceptions have come against teams that play zone defense and rush four rush rushers. So like on plays, the teams rushed four and played zone defense. He's thrown 10 interceptions this year, the second most in the NFL, which is what the 49ers do on like the large majority of their plays. So I think that could maybe give some home, some trouble here and there, but overall um, I think those are probably some of the biggest edges that I noticed with breaking it down. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Now I was fully aware of the run game and that situation as far as the, the Niners having a huge edge there. And I also think to your point, I think Pacheco in this Kansas city offense is going to find some success running the ball as well. But Mahomes versus zone coverage did not, was not aware of that. So that's really fascinating and, and a really good take by you. Connor, let's jump into some player props here. I want, I want to get these going because player props, I mean, they seem to be exploding in popularity. I, I know I've been betting a lot more prop bets this year. Why don't you give our listeners some of your best player props for the Super Bowl? Yeah, one of my favorites that's still pretty widely available is Debo Samuel and the most fun. Debo Samuel over 56 and a half receiving yards. So if we look at the 11 games that Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle all played 60% of this plus percent of the snaps together, Debo Samuel actually led the team in target share. And the Chiefs' pass defense has been obviously very good. They've been super good against number one wideouts. We're talking about holding Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown. None of those wide receivers eclipsed 73 receiving yards in any of the games against the Chiefs. But fringe wide receiver ones or secondary options, which is the category that I would put Debo Samuel into Christian Kirk, 110 receiving yards, Josh Palmer, 133, Devonta Smith, 99, Josh Reynolds, 80 receiving yards. So I think that we see Debo more in that secondary option. I think we see Legarius Sneed, the chief's top cornerback on Brandon Ayuk, who's their primary outside receiver. Um, and beyond this too, one other factor is the chiefs play two high safety looks a lot defensively. Like they lead the league over 65% and against two high safety looks this season. Again, in those 11 games that they all played together, Debo has a 27% target share, 2.35 yards per hour run. So super strong metrics there. I think when they do pass, Debo's very involved. I played alternate over. So I played over like 77 and a half at plus money and 99 and a half at plus money. It's like five to one at DraftKings. I know some smart people have played rushing and receiving combined because people like the kind of combined look there. So, I mean, that's a fun one. I, I've i bet, I was just telling on my bets, uh, I bet 40 total bets. Some of them are, are the same, like some of them are repeats. So, I mean, I'm probably around total, like 20-ish, but I got you know plenty more. So it depends on however long you want me to go here. Well, I'm just going to start by saying I, I like what you said about Debo there. Great metrics and analysis there on his role or his or what could be his role in this game. I like the combined rushing and receiving because I have a strong feeling with the amount of focus that's going to be on Christian McCaffrey in this game. I think it's going to open up some things for Debo as well. And I'd be shocked mm -hmm. if Shanahan doesn't have some generated looks for him in the run game on some fly sweeps and some other creative play calling that you know he's going to have in this game to get Debo involved in the run game as well. I'd be very surprised if we don't see a few of those in this game. So with those opportunities and, like you said, being in that number two role where there could be some opportunity there in the passing game, 
what about maybe a second favorite player proper? I, I don't want to give away all your good stuff here. I know you've got a lot of great stuff that you've got on the website and, and in your articles and the podcast, but may, maybe another prop or two that you really like this week. Yeah, I'll give you guys a fun one here um, because if you don't want to bet some unique stuff, there's a couple of different ways to attack it. So I took Chiefs longest punt return or longer punt return than the 49ers. Or you can play Richie James longer, you know, more return yards than Ray Ray McLeod. All of those are available depending on the sports book. So I think that this spot here, so Ray Ray McLeod has not has not returned a single punt uh, this entire playoffs. He's basically just fair caught or left the ball. And so I think part of that plays into the 49ers mentality of being a little bit more cautious, of being, you know, a little bit more conservative with going for it on fourth down, with you know, punting versus, you know receiving like all this stuff. Like it's just, they play more conservatively. And I think they basically just told Ray Ray McLeod, like, Hey, we don't need anything special from you. Obviously, if you're like wide, wide open, take it, but otherwise just call a fair catch, let our offense get on the field and do that. And that's kind of reflected in the numbers. The last nine games, he's only returned the ball like six times or something like that. It's like crazy low. The first six games of the season, he had 15 returns since then averaging less than one uh, return per game. And on the other side, the chiefs just let Richie James do whatever. So, I mean, he's returning at least one punt per game you know, in almost every game that he's played. So I think we see the Chiefs have more punt return yards than the Niners. Again, this is a super in the weeds prop, but these are the kinds of things where I think that there's edges in the sports book. I mean, they put both Ray Room Cloud and Richie James at 15 and a half punt return yards because I just don't think they really knew what to do with it. They just toss it out there and we're like, hey, we're going to, you know, offer them both of the same thing and let's go from there. So uh, I think it's kind of a unique angle. I like it. I like it. Looking for some of those spots where you can find some value. That's what betting is all about. When it, when it comes to the Super Bowl, people, as you know, bet on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade that the winning coach is going to have dumped on him. So any off the field prop bets that you like in this game? Any any fun kind of out there ones? Yeah, those are a little bit tough because they're not widely available like domestic sports books. So honestly, like I know some offshores and things like that will post like Gatorade color. I mean, we we technically have Gatorade color in Illinois. Um I know that I think last time the Chiefs won, it was purple. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on that potentially. You know, usually, honestly, these information markets are great if you can get down enough money to make it fun. National anthem props. So the rehearsal, I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but the rehearsal usually is like Thursday night or Friday morning, depending on uh, where you're at. And then by then, information will kind of start leaking out about which way to go with the anthem. And so tailing that steam is usually pretty sharp if you want to do that. Other than that, you can bet on like, Taylor Swift props, if you really want to. I mean, from my understanding, she's going to show up on time. So I mean, I feel like that's also a good look as well, uh, if you want to bet that. Yeah, couldn't have a Super Bowl episode without mentioning Taylor Swift. So <laughs> of course glad, we, glad we got that in. <laughs> what about, so what's your favorite long shot bet? Something that you think is maybe just worth throwing a few bucks on that could possibly hit? Yeah, I'll give you some of my MVP bets because those are kind of where I took some long shots here. So basically... Uh, you know, you heard a little bit of my breakdown uh, at the at the beginning there, but basically I'm anticipating just kind of a, a slow, rocky game from both sides. Both teams are going to have success, success running the ball, but I don't really know how much success passing the ball they're going to have, especially, I mean, we can easily see five, six minute drives with mostly running. They get in the red zone, they stall, they kick a field goal. Like in those scenarios, I think guys other than Mahomes and other than Purdy are live to win MVP. And I know that's a very contrarian take, but again, that's why I think there's value on these on these numbers here. Isaiah Pacheco, 35 to 1 at FanDuel is pretty interesting. You know, again, if he scores two touchdowns and the Chiefs win like 
20 to 17 or something like that. And he scores all their touchdowns. He has a hundred plus rushing yards. I think he's very live at that price. And, you know, 35 to one is not terrible, especially if Mahomes throws an interception, which I already talked about is a possibility. Debo Samuel, 25 to one, I think is really interesting. We talked about his upside as a receiver, but because he has that rushing upside, like if he runs for a touchdown, catches a touchdown and is like a hundred receiving yards in a game, again, it probably has to be low scoring, like 2017, 24, 21, something like that. Debo could very easily win uh, MVP. And then one, one last long shot. I'm talking way down the board. Uh, Nick Bolton at 600 to one. I mean, it's an absolute hail, hail Mary. You know, again, if the game ends up being like 17, 14 or something like that, and he has a pick six or a fumble six, maybe a sack. We've seen defensive players win in these low scoring games. It just takes a lot. So it would have to require like a terrible Mahomes game, him having a pick six or, or something like that. But again, it's 600 to one. You're paying a little bit of money to find out for a massive payout. So I, you know, I threw a couple bucks at it just for fun. Yeah, first off, I absolutely love the Pacheco one, and I love that bet. I think there's real value there because, like you said, if this ends up being a game where it plays out like a lot of us think it will and there's a lot of rushing in this game, if he gets in the end zone two, maybe three times in this game, and like you said, breaks 100 yards, maybe some catches involved too, that that kind of stat line could certainly put him in the mix. I, I 100% agree with you. The defensive one with Bolton, that's really interesting. And you're right, it's total long shot. But I like the the thought process there. If this game really turns out to be a defensive struggle and it's you know 10 to 3 at the end or 13 to mm-hmm. 7, something like that, and we look up and Bolton's got 10 tackles, two tackles for a loss, a sack, and a pick six. Why not? Right. I mean, we could see it if he, if yeah. somebody like a defensive game and he has a monster stat line, I think all of a sudden we're going to have to look at a guy like that. So really interesting. And I, and I really like those long shots for sure. I think it's always fun to throw a few bucks on some of those and see what happens. So Connor, who wins Super Bowl 58 and which side should we be betting? Yeah, this is probably the toughest question that you've asked me to date because I don't feel that strongly about it. In my preview, I wound up with Niners to win 24 to 20. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that their running game is able to help them move the ball, pass the ball, and that their pass rush causes some issues for Mahomes, uh, you know, against a team that has largely been a, maybe slightly above average offensively for the entire year in the Chiefs, uh, and then has really turned on the, in the playoffs against the Bills and the Dolphins, who are you know very very much injured, and then for one half against the Ravens, you know who's a very good defense. But I, I'm just not fully convinced that the sample size is there, and that we might just be seeing a blip. And in that case, I think that the the Niners win here. Now, again, I, I I'm putting significantly more money on some of the other props that we talked about relative to this Niners look here. But yeah, I did bet on the Niners, and I did bet on the under. So I, I bet on under 47 and a half. And I like that a good bit more than the total or than the than the side there. In, incredible game. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know this has been an absolute blast, Connor. Thanks again for coming on the show. Guys, go check out his work. I can't tell you enough how great this guy is when it comes to this type of stuff. When you want to talk sports betting, you want to get a deeper dive into some of this stuff, go check out his work. Once again, 444.com and check out his podcast, Move the Line Sports Betting Podcast. Connor, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's win some bets and uh, good luck the Super Bowl. Great insights from our guest, Connor Allen. Really appreciate him coming on the show today. But now it's time for us to make some predictions and betting picks for this game, Alex. Give me a winner, Alex, an outright winner. Who wins Super Bowl 58? 
Sure. I, again, I've made this claim. I, he has now entered the air of LeBron and Tom Brady. I will not bet against Patrick Mahomes. I am outright taking the Chiefs to win this game. Alex, I'm with you. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Look, I talked about this 49ers roster. I talked about all the playmakers. We both did. 49ers are the better team. They're the better roster. They're the deeper roster. They're the more talented roster. And they're the favorites, I think, for a reason in this game. But so was Buffalo and so was Baltimore. Look, I'm not going to go against them again. So obviously on the betting side, most books, this line's been moving a little bit. 49ers as a one and a half point favorite. I've seen some books as a two point favorite, but the line is close here. And and I think we're in store for a really good game here, Alex. But obviously, if I'm going to take Kansas City as an outright winner, I'm going to take the points as well. I'm sure you're on the same side here, Alex. I I can't get burned again. (laughs) I cannot get burned again, betting against Mahomes. The last two weeks, I took the quote unquote better team. I'm not going to take the better team this time. I'm going to take the better quarterback. So give me an MVP. How about an MVP pick for Super Bowl 58, Alex? MVP on the Chiefs side, I'm going to give it to Isaiah Pacheco. I think he, had he broken two tackles, two tackles last year, he would have been the MVP. Obviously he didn't, but had he broken those two tackles, I think this year he's going to be healthy. He's going to break those two tackles, and I have him as the MVP. What we know is that Andy Reid is not going to stop running that ball. He's going to stay consistent. Yeah, and you know what? It's crazy because I agree with you, but I never would have thought those words would come out of my mouth, you know, three, four years ago because Andy Reid was a guy that for the longest time was just – that just wasn't in his DNA. The guy has always been a pass-heavy offense, a pass-heavy play caller who sprinkles in the run. But he's also such a great offensive mind. He knows that this team and the way this team is built, it he had to make that shift, and he did. And I give him a lot of credit for making that shift because it's made this team what they are now. It's a huge reason why they're in their in this position to win back-to-back Super Bowls. I think Mahomes is the easy answer here for MVP. He's the odds-on favorite. Typically, it goes to a quarterback. But Isaiah Pacheco is my is my favorite long shot prop bet here in this game for MVP at plus thirty five hundred. There is no doubt, Alex. I'm going to sprinkle some money on that plus thirty five hundred because I'm with you. We talked about it. I don't think this team wins without him having a big day. And if he goes off in this game, let's say over a hundred, and he finds the end zone two times, maybe three times in this game somehow. It's going to be hard to not hand him the hardware. You know what, Brett? I want to just tell you something real funny. Andy Reid last year threw 651 times. Excuse me. I don't want to say they threw the ball 651 times. This year, 635. Last year, four seven. they attempted 417 rushes for 1,970 yards and 18 touchdowns. This year, 417 attempts, 1,784, and only nine touchdowns. Interesting, interesting fact. I did not think about it until you just spoke about that in terms of him running the ball. I think it's been a lot more situational in terms of what they've been doing and trusting the defense more and feeling that they don't have to score a lot. But you're absolutely right. So I just wanted to throw that last nugget in there because I just looked at it as you were talking about him running more. I really wanted to take a, just a quick 
snapshot of what he did last year versus this year. But you're absolutely right. I, I never thought that I'd be saying to Isaiah Pacheco, but I think I guess we could say a big thank you to Green Bay and a big thank you to Detroit because without me seeing those games, I would not have gone in this direction. It's just because I'm just watching the trend and them not being able to have an issue stopping that run that I'm just going to really lean on Isaiah Pacheco as that long shot. Can I give you a prop bet, though? That's where I was going next, Alex. What's your favorite prop in this game? So my prop bet is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Right now he's at over 19.5 receiving yards at, at minus 120. I'm definitely taking the over. I feel he's going to have two catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. That's how confident I am, really. And, you know, we kind of laid, Brad laid it out for you in terms of the defense. It's exactly what I was thinking that they may come out and do, and it's going to leave an opportunity for him to beat them and then force them out of that coverage. So that's why I'm taking that. That's the put that I, I had that prop bet in my head for very as soon as the game ended and we were excuse me, as soon as the Ravens game ended, I knew I said that that prop bet on Mar, on Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's turned a corner and I think he is in line to have I don't want to say a big day, but to have key catches and two of them being that two for sixty nine and a touchdown. I like that bet, man. I like that bet a lot, especially because like we talked about with the importance of this running game and the amount of attention that's going to be on Kelsey and Rice, I think there's going to be opportunities for guys like Scantling to have some big plays here. Guys, if you enjoy the podcast, do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Tell a friend about the show or share it on social media. We really appreciate it, guys. But once again, I'm Brad Fowler. He's Alex Higdon. This is Pint Glass Football, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.